There they go. Oh, boy. An elongated crosstalk in between. It's only an hour. And Trey and BK. And now it's time for the award-winning midday show. What's up, brother? How we doing? How we doing? Doing good. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, still a little sports sad after the happenings at Moody Center last night. Mm, were but you at the game? I was at the game. Um, great atmosphere, man. I will tip my cap to the Texas fans who showed up, sellout crowd. The place was loud. You know, Kelvin Sampson and the Houston players were talking about the atmosphere during their post-game press conference. It was a, a rocking crowd last night. And it was obviously a great game that went into overtime and came down to the final seconds of overtime. A hell of an atmosphere. But unfortunately, Texas came up short on what would have been their biggest win of the season. So that, uh, that has me a little bit down today, but everything else is all good. Well, take my advice and don't invest any emotional capital in college basketball anymore and you'll be good. But hey, look, this team very easily could have rolled over like what we saw at BYU over the weekend, but they didn't. They got their act together in the locker room at halftime and came out as a completely different squad in the second half. And they've, you know, even though they lost that game last night, I think there is a sort of self-discovery that is continuing to happen in these games, including Kendall Weaver being pretty darn close to lockdown on the perimeter. And that is important for a team that has struggled as mightily as Texas has in defending on the outside this year. If, even if you're running a box and one, but Rodney Terry obviously likes to run a lot of man-to-man defense. To have to worry less about the opposition's most important uh, perimeter th- threat, I guess, as I'm having a stroke here as I talk about this, to to have the luxury of not having to worry as much about that guy when Kendall Weaver is on him is huge for this basketball team and their attempt to win games against good teams. Yeah, I do wonder if Kendall Weaver gets inserted into the starting lineup at some point, maybe in favor of IT Horton, right? We already saw a lineup change a couple of weeks ago with Horton in and Cunningham out. Uh, you know, Weaver's been great off the bench. So maybe Rodney Terry's like, Hey, he's a nice spark for us off the bench, getting those 20 to 27, 28 minutes. We're going to keep rolling with that. Uh, but now you, you want more Kendall Weaver and a big, big turning point in that game. It's something that I wish Rodney Terry did earlier. And of course, hindsight's always 2020, but when Kendall Weaver was placed on Jamal shed, shed started to struggle. I mean, for about 30 to 35 minutes, that guy was getting whatever he wanted. He was getting wherever he wanted and whatever he wanted when he was being guarded by Tyrese Hunter or Max Asmus. Uh, RT made the change with about six minutes to go and put a little bit more length. Obviously, Weaver's a lot bigger and stronger than Jamal Shedd, and that bothered Jamal Shedd, and that allowed Texas's defense to get some big stops down the stretch. But unfortunately, in the end of regulation and in overtime, the Texas offense just completely fell apart and uh, couldn't get the big buckets that they needed. But yeah, you know, a few positives. I mean, Houston's one of the best teams in the country. Uh, you took them to overtime. You played great. Unfortunately, when you're talking about the NCAA tournament, none of that stuff's going to matter. There's no quality loss section on the NCAA tournament resume. So I test wise positive night for Texas, Felt like a step in the right direction, hanging with the top five team and Ken Palm's number one team for 45 minutes. But at the end of the day, a loss stings. That would have been massive for Texas's tournament chances. They obviously still have plenty of good opponents that they can beat to bolster their chances of hearing their name called on selection Sunday. But um, that, uh, that stinks, not being able to seal the deal in the final minutes. That hurts. Yeah, it does. You're right. In the end, it, a loss is a loss. And uh, silver lining losses mean 
significantly less when you're talking about computer analysis of these things and losing another home game is is a big problem too for this basketball team. But as you just said, they have a, a bunch more opportunities to work their way into the tournament conversation. I don't know where they are with Joe Lonardi right now. And obviously things have changed because they've lost two in a row since his most recent rankings came out at the end of last week. But uh, they're right on the cusp. And over the next, uh, what, five to six weeks, they have an opportunity to uh, leave no doubts as to whether or not they're going to be in the tournament one way or the other, unfortunately. It could go either direction. The fight that I've started to see in this team is giving me hope that they will get it figured out. But you never know. It's a dogfight in the Big 12 each and every night. And you... You know, even a single bad half might sink you in a game like what we saw last night against number four ranked Houston. Yeah. Uh, you know, Texas is in the midst of this six game stretch against ranked opponents. They're two and two right now. You'd love to be able to find two more wins, but definitely one more win. And yeah, if the season ended today, I don't think the Longhorns would be in the tournament, but a lot of basketball left. They've got 10 more regular season games. They've got the Big 12 tournament. Obviously, you uh, put things to chance if you have to rely on a good performance in Kansas City to get in um but we'll see man i mean it's look here's the reality of the situation right we can we can deep dive further into the game itself and you know texas's free throws were a problem texas getting worked on the glass again was a problem that was the difference in the game houston had 19 second chance uh, chance points on 15 offensive rebounds like they just they were relentless for those loose balls and texas was doing a lot of ball watching in those spots and that's been a recurring theme texas has been out rebounded in six of their last seven games like that's that's unacceptable and a lot of that falls on the players you know you, you know, there's plenty to criticize rt for for where this season is but uh some of it's you need your players to care a little bit more about uh, getting those rebounds and instead of just hoping the ball comes to them but here's the reality of the situation texas was picked to finish third in this conference this year and we are just at about the midway point in Big 12 play, and Texas right now is third to last in this league, Trey. They are 12th out of 14 teams. So, you know, reasonable to expect to step back from last year with a new coach, uh, what Rodney Terry was last year, but a new coach and a very different roster. But still, I mentioned this to the Buck this morning. It wasn't like Texas Sports Unfiltered saying Texas is going to be the third best team in this conference. It wasn't a burn orange Kool-Aid drinkers saying that. This was like the national media that had Texas as a preseason top 20 team in the country and a preseason top three team in the conference. And the reality is they're not in the tournament right now. They're bottom three in the conference and they're not close to the top 25 ranking. That's, that's where it is. So um, I'm upset by that. I, I want to be a basketball school. I realize Texas will never be a basketball school because I can't have nice things. But overall, big picture of where this season is to this point, it has been a disappointment for Texas. And they better turn things around quick. Otherwise, this thing will go down as a major disappointment. Yeah, nothing more to really say about that. I, I uh, One more thing about the game specific to last night, though. It was great to see. I got to give Zay a lot of credit for calling this one out. It was great to see Dylan Mitchell active and locked in from the beginning of the game and really throughout as well. That. I don't know if there's something specific that they did in pregame, but they need Dylan Mitchell focused at the start of every game going forward. They don't need the guy who's fumbling fumbling around the basketball like was happening. I think it was at the start of the Oklahoma or maybe the Baylor game. And a guy who just seems to be a little bit aloof at times early on in contest. They need Dylan Mitchell to reach their potential this year to turn this season around, to not end up 
amongst the bottom three teams in this conference in the standings. He was Texas's best player last night. I wish he didn't miss three dunks. That would have helped when you lose a game by four in overtime and really by two in overtime. You know, every single point matters. And he had a couple of missed freebies and actually did miss a couple of free throws as well. Uh, but no, he was Texas's best player, 16 and 10. Very good defensively. Uh, yeah, that's the problem, though. It's like every night we have somebody else who needs to step up. It's you know it's Tyrese Hunter one night, it's Dylan Mitchell one night, it's this guy, it's that guy. This team is just inconsistent, and that's that's why it's like you want to be like, okay, Trey, they played a top five team that close at home. They should be able to hang with some of the middle of the road teams in the Big Twelve if they just played maybe the best team in the conference that well. But then you got to remember the UCF game and the West Virginia game, like two bottom feeders of this league. They they lost to them, and it's like I just you never know what you're going to get from most of the players individually, but more importantly, collectively as a team with this Texas team. And, you know, you're 21 games into this season now, and you're still trying to figure out exactly what this identity is and who you can count on night in and night out. And that's, that's scary. That's, that's what bubble teams do. Like you would hope this, uh, this was going to be an easy year into the tournament, not an elite eight year, but like, uh, Oh, for sure. We don't have to worry about Texas making it to the big dance. We're past that stage. But because of the inconsistencies and just literally not knowing what to expect anytime this team takes the floor, you just you, you don't know how to extrapolate what we've seen over these final 10 games. It's a bummer. I said it after the UCF game, and it looked like they were starting to figure some things out. But two steps forward, two steps back. And for much of the season against good competition, it's felt like a bunch of pieces from different fu- puzzles. And those things don't come together to create a clear picture. And we're not back to square one necessarily because it was a hard-fought effort last night and there is stuff to build on, but you're still trying to search for those answers and for the right pieces and who should be playing with whom and who needs to be starting and who should be coming off the bench and what specific role should be. I know that the coaches are encouraging Brock Cunningham to shoot early when he gets into a game, and he made his first three-pointer last night, but... Brock Cunningham is probably a, a guy that the offense needs to be going through at this point versus a guy who is trying to shoot from the outside. I understand he has two years worth of shooting well from the outside to uh, to give him some benefit of the doubt there, but we're to a point in the season where possessions are starting to matter a lot more, and you can't you can't have threes clanging off the backboard. You can't have threes just just missing everything altogether, and we get. Uh, way too many of those sorts of shots out of Brock Cunningham. He's clearly frustrated too, by the way. You may not have been able to see it in the stands last night, but they showed him on screen on television at one point during a timeout after something had just happened. And you can see the frustration on his face. I don't fault Brock Cunningham necessarily, but for the coaches, it's important that they're not they're not still encouraging a guy to shoot when he needs to probably be passing it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I do not want any offense to go through Brock Cunningham. Like, I, I don't love him shooting, but I don't like, I'd prefer him standing in the corner versus just getting in the way of the four other guys on the court. So, you know, he's a decent passer and he's a willing, he's a guy who's willing, uh, a willing screener, I guess is the way to put it. But oh, mostly you're probably right about that. He needs to be off to the side. Yeah, he played nine minutes last night, too. Like, the the minutes are going down for Brock, and it's sad. He's a great kid, and he cares. This isn't a lack of care. He's just in the midst of the worst funk of his career. And like you said, I mean, you're you're a team on the bubble, and you're playing in the best league in the sport, and every game matters. Hell, it feels like every possession matters. 
and you just you can't waste stuff. And unfortunately, Brock Cunningham at times has been a waste of space for this Texas team, as, as harsh as that sounds. So, uh, yeah, Kendall Weaver is taking a lot of his minutes, which is good. We need more of that going forward. But uh, that one stinks, man. They were right there. They had that six-point lead with about five minutes to go when that thing went away quick. Houston went on a 9-0 run. Just like that, they hit back-to-back-to-back threes, and it's like, well, all this work Texas did to come back from down double digits in the first half to take this decent-sized lead is just all completely thrown away right now. Uh, But look, Texas got up off the mat after that. They played great. They were competitive. But once again, when when you're a team on the bubble playing great doesn't mean a whole lot. And now Texas will get another shot at Houston, but it'll be on the road, and that's going to be significantly tougher you brought up the home games, man. Like, this team lost one game at Moody Center in the first two years. They've lost three in the last three weeks. Like, that's that stings. That stings. The Houston one, you can stomach a little bit more. But Texas Tech coming in here and working Texas the way that they did. And obviously, the UCF one, that, that's losing to a bad team in your own barn. Um, that's, that's a problem. That is a problem. So, we'll see. Texas back at it this Saturday on the road. In Fort Worth, taking on, you guessed it, another ranked team in TCU. The next home game for the Longhorns, an LHN special, your favorite, Trey, uh, next Tuesday, a week from today, against Iowa State, another ranked team. Gosh. All right, we'll take your thoughts. The Coda text line, 512-222-9328, or hit us up on the YouTube comments line. Appreciate all of you stopping by today. Mr. Sorrell, what's going on? Appreciate you saying hello today. Thanks to all of you for being a part of Texas Sports Unfiltered. All right, before we get to uh, an NFL mock draft, an interesting one from Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. I want to give some love to some of our great sponsors. We'll uh, let the people hear first from our man Tom McKay over at AV Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. Hey, kid, you want to hear a dad joke? Sure, old man. A guy walks into a flat... <laughs> That was terrible. A guy walks into a store and buys an 85-inch flat screen for 2500 bucks. <laughs> I wasn't done with my joke yet. Yeah, you were. Here, I got one. What's worse than paying for one overpriced surround sound speaker? I don't know what. Paying for two overpriced surround sound speakers? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here at Audiovisual, we do like to laugh. And by calling 512-255-8678, you can share in that laughter. Stop paying extra for lesser quality and visit avconsultations.com today. All right. All right. You got me going now. One more. All right. Here we go. A guy walks into a bar, and then a speaker, and then a projector. All right, all right, all right. I think they get it, kid. Give us a call at 512-255-8678, or see us online at avconsultations.com. And all jokes aside, remember to hug your kids, laugh with strangers, and make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call, 512-255-8678. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultations. Also, shout out to our great friends at BetUS. If you're looking to make some money, on the Super Bowl, they've got everything you need right there at BetUS. All you have to do is click the link in the video description if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the app, just click Explore Our Socials on the homepage of the app, and there will be a link to BetUS right there as well. All the prop bets you want, of course, you can bet on the winner of the game. And it's not just the Super Bowl. You can bet on college basketball every night, the NBA, the NHL, golf, tennis, MMA, whatever you want. They've got it for you. Just uh, sign up, deposit $50 or more, and they are going to give you a big-time deposit match and a great bonus to Boots over there at BetUS. Make sure you sign up using the links and uh, yeah, start winning some money to 
day. All right, Trey, we've got a mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah. There's uh, one thing that I really like about this mock and one thing that I don't like about this mock. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the bad, then we'll get to the good. The bad is there's only one Longhorn in DJ's first round. Uh, there are some mock drafts you look at that have two, three, even up to four former Texas players going in round one of the draft, but uh, DJ only has one Longhorn going in the first round, and this was only a one-round mock, so I, I can't even tell you where he has the other guys going. Yeah, and I know the guy. I think ultimately, even though we may not talk a ton about them, that one of the two wide receivers ends up going in the first rounds. Debate which one is more likely to go in the first, but Daniel Jeremiah has a single defensive player from the Longhorns going in his mock. Yeah, and that's the good news. Is we'll, we'll go from one to ten in a moment, but Byron Murphy is the one Longhorn that he has going in round one, and he has Murphy going at number 11. I think that's the highest I've seen any Texas player in any of these mock drafts, right? It, it feels like, you know, the Longhorns have five guys who are going to be taken in the top 50 or so picks, which is great. But it's usually like 20 to 50 where you're seeing these Longhorns going. Byron Murphy just outside of the top 10 at number 11 to Bucky's Minnesota Vikings. Man, that would be pretty damn cool for Byron Murphy and a great thing for the Texas Longhorns, too. Agreed, and I think that this becomes a more popular opinion after we get through the scouting combine and people see just how much of a physical freak Byron Murphy is. To go along with the game tape, too, by the way, you can go back to that semifinal matchup where he was one of, if not the most active player on the field for Texas that night, especially on defense, but throughout the course of the season. I mean, there's a reason why he and Devondre Sweat were the two top-rated interior defensive linemen throughout the course of the year, according to Pro Football Focus. These guys are studs, and that talent is going to translate at the next level, too. Byron Murphy gets a nod in terms of who gets drafted first between he and Sweat because he is most likely an early round, uh, a uh, an every-down guy, whereas Sweat is going to need some plays off. Even though uh, Murphy is a little bit undersized, he's going to be great in the NFL. I can't wait to watch whatever team he ends up on. Yeah, and a lot of NFL teams look for potential when they're drafting, especially in the first round. But you want the guy who, like you said, he's got that potential but also has the production on tape. And Byron Murphy has that. You look at the numbers, you watch them on film, you look at the analytics and the grades out there. I mean, Byron Murphy checks every single box. He's the Big 12 defensive lineman of the year this past season. And like you said, I mean, even though he's a little bit undersized, you do have a number of guys around his size at that position who have had success in the league. This is not like a Bryce Young situation where it's like, oh, we've never had a quarterback of that size have success in the league. And you're wondering, uh, can he be the first? Now, Byron Murphy wouldn't be the first uh, with that body type to be successful at D tackle. Hell, Aaron Donald, who's maybe the best defensive tackle in the history of the sport, is about the same size as Byron Murphy right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be the first Longhorn off the board. Like, I don't know if it's unanimous, but it feels like consensus where most of the mock drafts have Byron Murphy as the first Texas player selected. Obviously, the range depends, but this is uh, this is good news for him, and I think he's going to be a stud at the next level. Three-down player, he also gets after the quarterback. I know I've mentioned this before. If you can get pressure from the interior of your D-line, uh, teams love that. That is hard to find at any level of football. So if Byron Murphy can do what he did in college 
at the NFL, and that's get a pretty consistent pass rush from the inside of that D line, then, uh, oh, yeah, now teams are going to fall in love with him. He's going to get drafted high, and he's going to make a lot of money in his NFL career. So Daniel Jeremiah, this mock draft came out a couple of days ago. He just came out with his first 24 draft rankings, top 50 draft prospects, according to Daniel Jeremiah, and there are five Longhorns in the top 50. Now, you can surmise, based on Byron Murphy being the one first-round pick in his mock draft, that Byron Murphy is the first Longhorn that he ranks at number 22, interestingly enough. Uh, but can you guess the other four? Like in, in order? The other four Longhorns, in order, yes. Okay. I was like, I could but definitely guess. The four Longhorns are pretty obvious at this point. I was going to say, I could definitely guess who they are. I think we all know who they yeah. are. It's just what order does he have? Well, that's interesting. You said Byron Murphy is number 22, even though he's 11 on the mock draft? Yeah. Obviously, team fits and stuff matter here, right, too. Right, exactly. Um, all right. I will go with AD, number two. Good call. AD Mitchell at 34. Next. Going to the 40s for the last three. Oh, this, is, this is a toss-up here. Oh, man. Between Worthy and Sanders here. Okay. I'll, go, I'll go Worthy three, Sanders four, Sweat five. Sanders three, Worthy four, Sweat five. You were very close there. Good mm. job on that. Come on, DJ. Why aren't you thinking like me? Why aren't you smarter than you're, you are? Do you I want am. to hear any of his breakdowns for those guys? Uh, I would love to. Let's start with, did you read something from Murphy already? If so, I'll skip this one. No. Murphy is very explosive, nimble, and instinctive as a defensive tackle. He is a dynamic disruptor against the pass game. He explodes out of his stance and can roll his hips on contact. Wouldn't we all be able to roll our hips on contact? Creating instant push. He consistently gets underneath blockers and prevails in the leverage battle. He has quick hands to win with swipe moves, a push-pull maneuver, or a violent club. Once he feels a blocker leaning left or right, he has elite change of direction quickness. Against the run, he can utilize his quickness to penetrate and create negative plays. He also has incredible balance to take on blocks while going to one knee before uncoiling and making plays. I haven't seen anyone else use this technique before, but it's very effective. He has plenty of range to make plays laterally. Overall, Murphy might lack ideal size, but he is a leverage machine who makes an impact on all three downs. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's well done. And how about that? He explodes out of his stance. I can, I can do that too. But we all can do that. Uh, some better than others. Some better than others. Yeah, it takes guys a little bit more time than others. Some people explode out of their stances, and some people have explosive diarrhea when they try and get up too quickly, you know? Yo, is that not the explosion that you thought I was talking about? I assumed that you were talking about explosive diarrhea with how much Taco Bell you consume. There you go. And yeah, quickness on penetration too. That uh, I don't know if Taco Bell is going to help you with that, actually. Probably the opposite. Uh, yeah, I would assume that it drops your testosterone down a little bit, eating, eating the quality of food that Taco Bell is serving up. And you're going to not smell great either, so I don't know if there's going to be much for you to... It just depends if somebody likes the smell of Taco Bell. Mm. Does anyone? <laughs> Don't you? 
I like the taste of Taco Bell more than the smell of Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't love the fact that my car smells like it all the time. I, I could go without that, but, you know, sacrifices you got to make for love, right? We do crazy things for love. That's that's what I do. All right, let's go to uh, A.D. Mitchell. Mitchell has outstanding size, toughness, and polish for the position. He is deceptively fast because of his long stride. He has surprisingly good route polish for a bigger receiver. He understands how to change tempo. He's clean getting out of breaks. He can climb the ladder, hang and finish. And it looks like he gets a little bit lazy at times on the backside of routes, assuming the ball is going somewhere else. He doesn't have a ton of production after the catch. Overall, though, Mitchell's an ideal X receiver. He can make plays when covered, and he's a real weapon in the red zone. Once again, Daniel Jeremiah nails it. Yeah, yeah, I buy that. Uh, not a lot of yak for A.D. Mitchell, and that wasn't really his role in this offense. Uh, obviously a red zone machine, Texas's leader in receiving touchdowns this year. Very good route runner. Uh, the, guy, the guy gets open. Nothing about the hands, which is interesting, because that, that might be the best trait that A.D. Mitchell has. You're like, right. He does have excellent hands. Just one drop this year, and he was, you know, at 50-something catches, like incredible drop percentage. Uh, you know, obviously DJ doesn't talk bad about the hands and I'm sure DJ knows that AD Mitchell has good hands, but that, that might've been like the thing that I led with when talking about Adonai Mitchell is just, you put the ball anywhere close to him and Quinn Ewers had some accuracy issues this year. It wasn't like every ball was between the numbers. Uh, he had to, you know, he had to reach, he had to jump, he had to fall down. He had to make some pretty spectacular catches and way more often than not, he was able to hold on. So that, that might be like the thing that I like the most about Adonai Mitchell is just, uh, he basically has glue for hands. Very sure-handed. Speaking of sure-handed, JT Sanders is a very smooth, fluid athlete with exceptional play speed in the passing game. He's at his best getting deep down the field. He stretches the scene quickly and has a big catch radius. He can tap into an extra gear when the ball goes up in the air. He has some wow catches, including a one-handed snag versus Baylor, there are a few occasions in which he unnecessarily leaves his feet when the ball is thrown on his frame. After the catch, he has stop-start quickness. He can pull away when he gets the ball on the run. He is more than capable as a blocker, effectively shutting and walling off opponents. Overall, Sanders isn't a nuanced route runner, but his combination of speed, athleticism, eh, athleticism and hands will translate very well at the next le level. I think like in terms of ranking these guys in terms uh, with uh, who is the most can't miss of all these prospects, Sanders has to be one or two, right? Ira Murphy may be one, but Sanders is right up there as well. I mean, the guy has all the physical attributes. He has the production to boot. Other than some sort of freak injury, it seems like he is destined to, uh, to really make believers at a lot of people at the next level. Yeah, and tight ends feel more important than they've ever been. I mean, I, I think you might see the two receivers go before JT Sanders because receivers definitely are more important than they've ever been. And you might have three receivers going in the top 10 this year. And you're seeing seven, eight receivers seemingly going in every first round of these NFL drafts. So uh, receivers are more important than tight ends in the eyes of most. And obviously you have more receivers on the field than tight ends. So that's another reason why they get drafted high. But look at all the rookie tight ends this year. I mean, Sam Laporta fell to round two, early round two. There are a bunch of teams that would trade their first round pick this past year for a guy like Sam Laporta. So if you have that tight end who is that type of difference maker, then they can be a major mismatch. We saw that at the college level for uh, JT Sanders. And yeah, hopefully we see that at the pro level too. So if he lives up to it and he, he works on those things that DJ talked about, 
it's funny. He he said he unnecessarily jumps that interception against Oklahoma, or you know Quinn Ewers threw it in the red zone. Dangerous throw. JT Sanders was banged up, but he jumped for that one, and he didn't have to jump for it. He could have just put his hands up. Instead, he jumped, and it tipped off of his hands and ended up going to a Oklahoma player. Like I, I think that's the play DJ is talking about right there because I remember that one vividly. Um, blocking, I don't know if I'd put him at more than capable blocker. I think I'd put him at capable blocker. But JT Sanders ain't going to get drafted in round one or early round two because of his blocking. He's not a total liability there, but the, the reason why teams love him and why he's a top 50 guy for Daniel Jeremiah is because what he does as a pass catcher. So if he lives up to it, I agree. He's going to be a problem. Completely agree there. All right, as far as Xavier Worthy is concerned, and I will say because I've read through this one that Worthy's toughness does not get enough mention when he's talked about as a draft process and uh, prospect. And Daniel Jeremiah, I think, falls victim of this too. Worthy has average height and a very lean frame. True. He is extremely twitchy and can take the top off the defense. He plays inside and outside. He used a variety of he was used a variety of ways at Texas, but he's at his best on double moves, shot plays, and pure takeoffs. He is dynamic off the line and can tap into a second and third Greer downfield. He's also crispy out of the break when asked to work back downhill. His hands have been spotty over his career, but he was much more reliable this past fall than he has been before. After the catch, he has a jet pack on his back. He explodes away from defenders and racks up big plays. Worthy seems like a taller version of Hollywood Brown. You can feel his speed in every game. That's an interesting comp there, but I think that's not to say the Hollywood Brown is not tough at all, but I think Worthy does have an underestimated toughness about him as well that will play at the NFL level too. Yeah, he didn't miss a game during his Texas career. Uh, he left a game or two early with an injury, but he started every game in the three years he was at Texas and clearly was playing through some injuries. Uh, you know, conspiracy theories surrounding the broken hand, but I, Xavier Worthy had something going on last season that I think contributed to the drops, and uh, he bounced back in a big way and put together a really, really good season. So you're right. He's tough. He's fast. He's got game-changing speed. There's no debate there, and and teams love that. And I don't know if Xavier Worthy is ever going to be like a true number one receiver in this league, but you have that deep threat uh, as your number two and a guy who can just take the top off a defense like that. Uh, that'd be huge. Teams covet that type of speed. So I am fascinated to see what Xavier Worthy runs in the 40 at the combine. That matters to a lot of teams. And I expect him to be in the four threes. If he could be, if he could be there, then that's going to help him a lot on draft weekend. So uh, yeah, big fan of his game. A little undersized. That will always limit him in certain things. But uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of good elements that he brings to the table. That once again, a lot of teams are going to fall in love with. And finally, Tavondre Sweat. He is a massive block-eating defensive tackle. He's at his best as a run defender. He can easily stack and anchor down versus both single blocks and double teams. He doesn't get uprooted or washed against angle blocks. He doesn't have a lot of lateral range. His value is in his ability to clog the middle of the line of scrimmage. As a pass rusher, he provides a steady pocket push on occasion, but he doesn't have much of a plan outside of that strategy. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. He does get his hands up if he stalls out. Overall, Sweat has present value as a run defender and some upside as a pass rusher. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, he, he did a pretty good job as a pass rusher considering his size, and he's going to lose weight. Uh, he didn't weigh in at the senior bowl, I think, uh, with reason, right? He's trying to 
shed a few more LBs before the combine because he was playing close to 360 this year at Texas. And look, he made it work. He was the best defensive lineman in the nation. But I don't think NFL teams want him playing at that size. He's got to be a little bit more mobile uh, at the next level to deal with some of the athletic offensive linemen that the NFL has. So he'll shed a few LBs, play closer to 340, I would think, which will help him uh, with all of those things that DJ is talking about. But yeah, he's got the chance to be an elite run stopper in the league and might not be a three down guy every down, but you know, teams don't wait to pass until third down all of the time. Now, a lot of early down passing more than ever before T sweat isn't a liability by any stretch as a pass rusher. So uh, if he's able to, uh, you know, develop a little bit of an arsenal of pass rush moves versus just trying to bull rush people, then that will obviously help. But he's, uh, he could be a first-round pick because of that size and that strength and that skill set that he's got. I think teams will watch the tape of Sweat and see that he is rotating out pretty much every other series, and there will be questions asked about his stamina and his ability to stay on the field. But I believe that he is also going to be able to work on that to where he can be more of uh, maybe not an every-down guy, but an every-series sort of guy. Yeah. Exceptions. Yeah, and Texas, like I don't know if that was totally a Sweat thing because Murphy rotated a lot too. Like, I don't have the snaps in front of me, but I feel like Murphy and Sweat's snap counts were pretty similar this year. So I think a lot of that might have been just, you know, Sark and PK wanted to keep guys fresh, and they felt good enough about Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton and Trill Carter and some of the other DTs that they had. Where it's like, no, nah, we, we want these guys to be as effective in the fourth quarter as they are at the start of these games. So uh, it, it still begs questions, I would guess, from NFL teams. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We will see what happens, but... All five of those guys hopefully go in the top 50. It's a good sign that Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of the most well-respected draft analysts out there, has all of those guys ranked in his top 50. It'd be really cool if Texas has five top 50 picks when uh, we get to the end of April. Good stuff. Good stuff there from DJ. Good stuff there from us. Nice job there, Trey. Yes, let's pat ourselves on the back right now. Yes, indeed. We've, we've earned that. Uh, how about a word before we get to where we at in society today and see what Trey's got in store for that? It's a quick uh, TV spot from our great friends over at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Yes, indeed. Shout out to the Coverts. Also, some love to Altstadt Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. Really the best beer that you can find anywhere in the world. We're just lucky enough to have it here in Texas. You can pick up a six-pack wherever you buy your beer. H-E-B, Total Wine, Specs, Twin Liquors, wherever you go. They've got Altstadt. If you're hitting the town a little bit, taking advantage of this unseasonably warm weather. Uh, your favorite bars and restaurants throughout Austin and Central Texas and even to the Metroplex in Houston as well, they've got Old Stat beer. This stuff is growing like crazy with damn good reason. It is a damn good beer. The official beer of BK. It should be the official beer of you as well. It's Old Stat beer. No impurities. No regrets. All right, Trey. I can't remember what we did yesterday for Pest Wranglers. What do you feel? It was reported yesterday, so we are going to go live with Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. That's right. If you have pest problems around your home or place of business, there is no better 
business to call than Pest Wranglers. You can go to pestwranglers.com. That's their website. And know this when you do, that our guy Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, started Pest Wranglers back in 2006. He founded the company on a motto. That motto is effective, reliable, affordable. He also has something else in mind, though. Steve values relationships. He values people. He treats his employees exceptionally. As a result, his employees treat you, the customer, with great care. It's why they have so many five-star ratings and reviews from over the years, and they will be happy to come take care of those pest problems. No contract, so if you're unhappy with the service, you can cancel at any time, but they're confident that you will want them back over and over again. You know, relatively speaking, of course, they're going to take care of those pest problems. But when those r- problems do arise, you will go to pestwranglers.com and get that free estimate. And Pest Wranglers is always a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? And it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. As us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. BK, how advanced is your car? Cars are becoming way smarter than humans with the smart technology that is being infused into them in modern times. How advanced is my car? Yes. It's got cruise control. Okay. It's got uh, the Bluetooth. Is that plural or single? Singular. Uh, I think it's blue teeth if you're going plural there, but it's just a Bluetooth is all you need for one car. Got Bluetooth teeth. I've got uh, CD ROM access. CD ROM access? What does the ROM stand for? Something memory, something, something uh, memory, operating memory. Uh, I've got a CD player in there. CD player. Wow, that's an older car then, huh? There it is. Yeah, it's a 2014. It's got a uh, little touchscreen action, which is cool. Um, okay. Navigation in there. All right. So some some technology, but yeah, it's a 10-year-old car. So it uh, it is failing in comparison to, I'm sure, some of what you're about to mention. Do you have to push a button to get into reverse, neutral, drive, etc. Or do you actually use the gear shift and you push the... Okay, this is a tangent here, and I apologize. We will get to the story in a second. I cannot stand cars where you're pushing buttons to get it into drive or reverse or back to park again. It's just an unnecessary attempt to like make things look and seem cooler. The gear shift works just fine. We're all comfortable with the gear shift. If anything, you're throwing everybody off their games by requiring us to push buttons instead of using a gear shift here. Come on now. Yeah, the uh, the covert cars that we used, one of them on the way to New Orleans, but the other one they gave us on the way to Dallas for Texas OU. Uh, yeah, they, they had those features. These cars are gorgeous. They're super nice, but I guess that's a new model thing. And I was literally, the first time I got one for the Texas OU trip, I was sitting in the covert bee cave parking lot for, I shit you not, three minutes trying to figure out how to put the car in reverse. I did not know what to do. Like, I saw little letters like a P, R, N, and D, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, something is there. But I didn't know. I couldn't push the button. It was like a little flip on the back. You like, flipped up a little uh, switch to put the car in reverse. Dude, I looked like a 
freaking idiot. There were probably people inside just cracking up watching me like hit every single button on the car, trying to put the damn car in reverse so I could drive it out of there. That's uh yeah, the gear shifter perfectly fine. I'm with you. Like I'm fine with the digitization of the screens and making music easier to play in the car. Like that works for me, but I, I think we're trying to get a little bit too cute with digitizing the entire automobile experience. And unfortunately, the worst case scenario with that is just losing total control over your car. But guess what? There is one major car manufacturer that is planning for the future. Ford has applied for a patent on a car that can automatically repossess itself. Repossess. document recently published on the United States Patent and Trademark Office website, Ford said it is considering a system that would allow a car to, on its own, leave you if you stop making your monthly auto payments. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, man. That is hilarious. Wow. I'm in favor of the self-driving car, but uh, I'm not in favor of that shit. Are you in favor of the self-driving car? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I've, I've become a believer. Why is that? Because uh, I see how many wrecks happen in current time when we have people driving cars, and I know how many distractions there are when you're behind the wheel right now, and uh, look, I, the technology is obviously not perfect. And there's that fear of like, you're not in control and it's just random if the technology fails you, but everyone loses their effing minds whenever a self-driving car gets in a wreck. It's a big story. Cause it happens like once a month where like you have a fatal self-driving car wreck every single day you turn on the news and there's a fatal car, you know, human driving car wreck in Austin every single day. So it's, I can be more productive. I can be sending emails on the phone, doing a bunch of shit in the car. I can sleep. Uh, I probably don't want you sleeping, but uh, I probably will sleep anyways. Uh, and yeah, just, I, I know how dumb drivers are. And look, I'm guilty of being a distracted driver at times too. Like it's, it's so much safer to have the, even though the technology is not perfected. Um, and I hope it does get very close to perfected. It's way safer than what we currently have. I'm with you in terms of driving and looking around to what's going on with the cars around me. And my kids help out here too. I have my kids point out when somebody's on their phone because I'm not always looking because I am having to watch the road. But my kids regularly are pointing out, yep, that person's on their phone. That person's on their phone. All right, let me make sure to get away from this person then because who knows what the hell is about to happen here. So for the sake of others... I completely agree with you, but I'm also too much of a control freak as you found driving yeah. to and from New Orleans to completely relinquish my ability to drive my own damn car, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But with no, that technology, good. which can be beneficial, also comes the possibility, thanks to Ford, that the car will just drive its happy ass back to the dealership if you go delinquent on a car payment for a month or two. That yeah, what do we have details? Like if you're one day late on one car payment, does the car up and leave you or is it repeated infractions? Is it like a week? Is it a month that you have? I mean, what's that seems unfair, you know, if the car just up and leaves the first time you miss a payment. It's a great question. So according to this 14 page application, <sighs> or does have other ideas to try and get people to pay before 
having the car drive its happy ass back to the dealership. Before getting to the point where the car would simply drive itself away, delinquent payers would be subject to a litany of annoyances. First, badgering messages on owners' smartphones and even on the screens inside the car. Oh boy, that would get me to pay immediately. <laughs> or throw my phone out the window. These messages would demand at least an acknowledgement or better yet, on-the-spot payment. If the owner persists in ignoring these messages, the vehicle would, in the words of Ford's patent application, quote, initiate execution of a multi-step repossession procedure. Step one involves, involves making the owner pay in other ways. Features like the air conditioning, cruise control, or the radio might stop working. Holy no. shit, that's crazy. Oh, I'll tell you what, you... You stop the AC in summer in Texas, then people are paying right away. That that would work better than the car leaving. You just turn off the AC, yeah, people are going to be paying up real quick. If turning out, see, the radio would be a problem for me. I don't like driving in silence or the ambience of, uh, of the car driving. Yeah. Cruise control is not as big of a deal, but air conditioning or radio, that would be a big problem. So if none of those things work, the vehicle could then become proactively irritating, as if that's not irritating enough. The <laughs> stereo might be programmed to, quote, emit an incessant and unpleasant sound every time the owner is present in the vehicle. Oh, my God. There would be just one way to turn off the noise, which would involve making contact with the lending institution to address the payment delinquency. <sighs> Wow. That is crazy that we have the ability to do that already, right? Like that technology exists. Just they can hijack your stereo or hijack your AC or cruise control. You just turn that shit off. How does that work? Yeah. Like I'm not like that one would hurt me the less, uh, the least. I'm like you. Like I, I can't use cruise control because I'll start to fall asleep. Oh, really? <laughs> dude, I just, I, I am, I could never be a trucker for a million reasons, but I don't do enough meth. I think is at the top of the list. I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, I just like, dude, it, I can be driving 20 minutes down Lamar and I'm like, I start dozing off. I got to like turn up the radio or start singing even, or call somebody on the phone to like stay awake. It is so bad how tired I get when I'm, when I'm behind the wheel. So Ford was asked about this, and their response shouldn't be surprising to anybody, although you take it with a grain of salt. They insist it's just a thought here. Quote, we don't have any plans to deploy this, Ford said in a statement, pointing out that the company was granted, not just applied for, but actually granted more than 1,300 patents last year. That's an average of 3.7 patents per day. But yeah, this is one that makes way too much fucking sense, though. Because money's on the line here and you're trying to figure out a way to get delinquent payees to actually fork over the cash to keep driving that car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're not going to deploy this, but effing pay up, chump. I mean, that's like, wow, that's crazy to think about. Somebody will do this at some point, even if they're not doing it now. Someone will come up with some idea to force people to make their payments. I, I don't know. I don't know how much of a problem that is, but clearly it is a big issue if they're even having to threaten this type of stuff. Um, I'm officially worried. I've been, I've been lucky. I've never had a car payment in my life, and I honestly hope that continues uh, for as long as I can. But, yeah, that's 
Shoot. If that, if that is brought up where the car just drives itself away, then it would work. People would be pissed about it. They'd complain, but it would, I think, get the result that people are looking for. You can't just not have a car. Like, if you buy the car, you clearly need it for something. That thing is just all of a sudden not in your garage. Well, how is that work? What if you park at a garage? It's just going to drive through your garage? I'm sure the car is smart enough to realize the garage door is closed and it opens the garage door on its own. Yeah. Drives the fuck back to the dealership. As soon as you open the garage the next time you're out there, like before you get in the car, it just speeds away. It goes. Yeah, it's got the fucking squealing tires. God. Whew. What are we doing here? We're, we're, we're going too far down the road with technology. I, I mean, I realize we're past the point of no return, so we're, we may as well just welcome our future robot overlords with open arms like you and I try and do regularly on this show, BK. Well, that's, that's where I'm going to push back here, my friend, because I feel like you being anti-self-driving cars, you doubting the machines a little bit and you not being on their side because you're saying I, I'm team me. You're a human. I'm team me when it comes to the car and I'm not team machine. Meanwhile, I, right side of history BK, as they so often call me, is on the machine side when it comes to this. So I'm more of a believer in our overlords than you are, which means... You're fucked. Yeah, you've got me there. I don't have a good response because I do want to be able to keep driving my own car. That's the problem for the future robot overlords. You know what? Fuck you guys. Bring it on. I'll drive through your mechanical asses. Just like that? He switched sides? What are you, Bruce Jenner? Stupid. Stupid of me. I haven't drank coffee for two days, and it's clearly affecting my thinking. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Dry January 29th and 30th? For no, coffee? I was about to do the master cleanse, but that's not going to happen for a variety of reasons. But I did stop drinking coffee yesterday, and yeah, that's not fun right now. I'll eventually get through this. I'll gain some mental clarity probably tomorrow or Thursday. But in the meantime, you're just going to have to deal with me stroking out as I'm trying to provide hard-hitting Longhorn basketball analysis and reading draft profiles of Texas Longhorn players. Master cleanse. It's also called the lemonade diet. You're drinking nothing but this water, lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne mixture over the course mm. of 10 days. And then also a, uh, a laxative tea at night and then a salt water mix in the morning that helps okay. flush your guts. Yeah. I'm ready to do it. It's just th- one thing after another has gotten in the way of my ability to go to the grocery store to buy the lemons. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to push it off another day. At that point, we're getting into the weekend of the Super Bowl. I'm not going to limit myself for Super Bowl Sunday. I want to eat copious amounts of Justine's buffalo chicken dip. So (laughs) I'm just going to have to wait a month or so to get back to the master cleanse. 2025 New Year's resolution, master cleanse. Uh, Yeah, or maybe like May of 2025 or something. Oh, shit, we're going to – nope. No, Master Cleanse is not happening until maybe the second half of 24. Otherwise, you may, you're probably right. It's going to be a 25 bed. Incredible. All right. I see the fellas in the waiting room right now. It's Chip. It's Zay. Boys, how are we doing today? You know what? I'm pissed off today. Uh-oh. Damn. I'm pissed off today. He's going through the cycle of emotions right now, the cycle of grief. Yeah. What are you pissed off about? I'm pissed that Dan Campbell 
can't get his head out of his rear end. <laughs> Not the Reggie Miller chokes on BK. Damn. Or uh, mm. Spike Lee. I, right I now. did something that uh, I vowed I wouldn't do, but uh, I went back and I watched. Oh, God. And there's no way, there's no way that you don't kick the field goal to go up 17 with, you just don't give the road team any momentum. The difference, the differential between the momentum loss from a missed field goal is less proportionate than giving them a fourth down stop. Yeah. And I don't care. I don't, if you put it on your kicker and execute the field goal as best you can and you miss, okay. But giving them a fourth down stop, that's like one of the few ways you can get that building, that momentum back into it. And it makes no sense. It made no sense. Mm -hmm. It still makes no sense. And, and, for all that, oh, that's what he did all year. You know what? That's what Dan Lanning did. It cost him the Washington game. That's what Brandon Staley did. It cost him his job. So, yeah. Hey, so, silver lining, though, Chip. You do get Ben Johnson back for at least one more season. He is declining the two NFL head coach openings, says he wants to win a championship in Detroit. That's big. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, that wasn't an Onion article. Sorry. Is that for real? Damn. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all over Twitter now. Yeah, Ben Johnson is coming back next year. That's huge for you guys. It looks like Dan Quinn's coming back Yo. to your Cowboys, BK. Yay. <laughs> Damn. Hey, it was just one game. You can't blame Dan for just one. Come on. Uh, I, I know. It's, it's more just being mad that his boss is still there and his boss's boss is still there. And... The Cowboys winning a championship is as much of an onion article as the Lions winning a championship nowadays, as, as sad as that sounds. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, one of those two teams has been to an NFC championship game this century. The other is the Cowboys. Yep. How about yeah. that? How yeah. about that? That's the other thing. But they played so well in the first half. You, your offense gets you the lead. Your coach and your defense need to help ensure the lead. And you just held them to a field goal after a, a good drive. And even Kyle Shanahan said it after the game. Like, I didn't think that was enough. Just <laughs> getting the field goal. That was a win. Like your defense just gave you a win. And then you drive it for four minutes and you give them the momentum. Yeah. Zay, I would say Dan Campbell did his best Tyrese Hunter where he just didn't show up for a big game. Tyrese, man. We're going to get into it. That was a brutal turnover. Uh, You're a point guard, bro. Like I, don't know what, I don't know what he is anymore. Your job is to dribble. Dribble the ball. It's okay. It's not to leave your feet and pass to the other team? No. 
No. Mm-hmm. No. He's out of practice because Max Aismas brings the ball up the court nine out of ten times. Yeah. It's like the yeah. facto two guard now. Hell, Dylan Mitchell's been bringing it up a bunch. Yeah, did that. All right. Oh, it's, I'm sad. Lions, Texas hoops. I need, I need Kleenex to get through this show, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're already starting off depressing again. Like, what is this? <laughs> Master, master your own domain on your own time. Oh, please. not for that. Unfiltered people. Not for that. That's not the unfiltered hey, stuff. Coming from the guy that was spread eagle a couple of weeks ago, trying to demonstrate some of his exercises. Come on, man. Don't do it Which again. Exercise is that? I don't remember. Show me. <laughs> Just let it go. If you don't remember, then it never happened. That's right. It's not a lie if you believe it, as the great George Costanza once said. Y'all have a great show. Appreciate it. Peace.